expectations have changed. Everything we hear about in the media and in our workplaces proves we as leaders need to think differently and do differently if we want to have an engaged and motivated workforce. But between the constant pull of our time, conflicting priorities, and the demands from our staff, how the heck can we be impactful leaders? And that's what we're talking about today on Experience Leadership. Welcome to Experience Leadership, a podcast that challenges small business owners and entrepreneurs, just like you, to dare to be the exception. Join our host, customer experience expert, Mark Haynes, as he uncovers relevant and timely content to help you script and direct your business and teams to create jaw-dropping experiences your customers and staff deserve. Here is the host of Experience Leadership, author of Lights, Camera, Action, customer experience expert, Mark Hain. Welcome to this episode. I'm so glad that you're taking time to join me today. My guest for this episode is leadership expert, Chris Moore. And today we will be talking about how business operators and managers can become more impactful in their leadership roles. Stay with us and we will uncover the five steps you need to take to build culture, increase performance, and drive your teams when everything is running at TikTok speeds. My one ask is that if you know somebody who could use this information, please share a link to this episode so that they can benefit from the learning as well. In a previous episode, I mentioned that a 2021 State of the Global Workplace Gallup report found that the majority of full-time workers in the world are either watching the clock or actively opposing their employer. 71% of North American respondents to that particular survey indicated that now is the best time to be looking for a new job. So that brings us to our question of the day. What is the most frustrating part of being in a leadership role today for you. We've had lots of changes throughout the last two years that since the beginning of COVID. It shook up our status quo. It shook up our comfort zones. What do you think has been one of the biggest challenges right now that you're trying to overcome? I'd love for you to be part of this conversation. So wherever you're consuming this information, go ahead and put your feedback in the comment box below or even share this episode on social media. And don't forget to use the hashtag experience leadership. That way, we can all be part of this conversation. With over 25 years of business ownership, management, and consulting experience, my guest today, Chris Moore, is a leadership expert who is passionate about re-energizing people to find their purpose and reach their goals. Audiences love his practical strategies that they can apply personally and professionally. It is absolutely a gift to me to have Chris on the show today. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. I am so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this for a few weeks after we, we had a quick conversation. Really enjoying this time with you and, and with your audience. Thank you so much. And again, you know, to your point, I've been so excited from the time that we talked about it. It's like, oh, I get a little giddy when I have experts like yourself coming <laughs> on board. But before we get into today's topic, could you just let everybody know a little bit about how you serve your clients. So really what I do is I help people transform from being a boss to an impactful leader. When we move away, especially as, as early in, in managers where you're first learning to manage a group of people, it's really you're on the front line. You're there every single day. As your career grows and there gets to be more and more levels, you get further away from where things are happening and we don't always learn how to manage through other people and see the results that we're looking for. And it's one of the things that so many business owners struggle with. They want to jump in and do everything because that's what they did when they started their business. And so as you get separated, how can you have the same influence and impact on your business that you had when you did everything yourself? It's such a big change. It really is. And that's probably one of the one reason, why I think, why a lot of small businesses fail within the first five years is you have a business owner who comes in, and I think it was the author of E-Myth Revisited who talked about when you start a business, you start, you start that business as a technician, 
And so because you're good at what you do, and that's the passion behind what you're doing it. But then as you scale up and get bigger, now you have to trust other people to do that. Why do you think now, like, I, you know, not only the startup aspect of it, but through COVID, leaders have had to change. Why do you think this idea of being an impactful leader is so important and timely today? Well, we have grown into such a remote workforce. Mm-hmm. We don't see really the people that we used to see. And the time that we spend with them is so different. So there was a recently a report that came out from the Boston Consulting Group. They did a worldwide survey, over 200,000 people, 190 countries. They repeat this actually about every three or four years. Uh, they put out a really very in-depth report. And what they saw was in 2018 and right before the pandemic started, about 30% of the workforce was hybrid in some way or another. And even now, as we're on the ending kind of of that pandemic, stay at home in most countries, over 50% of people are work from home. What was interesting in their survey was that 89% of people want to work in some type of hybrid environment. So we're all being further and further apart. And what's interesting in my own surveys and my own conversations with people working in businesses that have now moved remote, that are remote regional managers away from their corporate offices now, is they are meeting more than ever, same way that we're talking right here, through a digital device, yet they feel more and more disconnected from what is happening, from relationships, and even from sometimes what are they supposed to be doing? We think those messages are going through, but they're not really being heard. They're not being understood. So how can we act in this type of environment? We're we're all going to have to learn, whether you're a, a small business just starting or whether you're a large corporation, we all have some of those same issues. How can we impact our workforce? It's interesting because you wouldn't have thought that you go, going from face-to-face in person, going to a digital face-to-face, because I mean, the alternative before the whole Zoom thing or Skype thing was to pick up the phone and actually talk to people on a telephone. You would have thought mm-hmm. that the fact that we had this technology, that we would be more connected and more in tune with people that we're looking at face-to-face on through a camera. But to your point, that doesn't seem to be the case. It doesn't. You know, when you think about what really drives relationships, it's not when we come into a conference room and meet. It's not when we have one of those stand-up meetings in the morning. If you're in a restaurant, you're pulling all your, your staff together and you have that quick meeting before the lunch rush. That's not where where we really have the greatest influence and where we, where we really build those connections. It's it's the water cooler talk. It's stopping by somebody's office and saying hi. It's eating lunch with one another. And while we're meeting more, our meetings are full of agendas. They're packed. So we have a topic. We've got to get it done by this time because I have another meeting in five minutes that I need to jump to. And so we're not really seeing the relationships being built, especially between different layers of employees and then between different divisions, even in a corporation, your office staff and your production staff they may not interact as much as what they did in the past because there's more and more of our knowledge-based workers that are now working from home. Our call centers are not in big buildings anymore. They're at a dining room table all over the city. And things have just changed so much, we're going to have to change how we operate as well. Yes, there is definitely a downside to not having those areas within the work environment that you can have those creative collisions of people. And, you know, the obviously, oh, Chris, Oh, I'm so glad I bumped into you because I was thinking about, right? These aren't things that we would talk mm-hmm. about necessarily. And likewise, and to your point, you know, when we start a Zoom call, we're not talking about, so Chris, hey, I heard that your son had a football game last weekend. How the heck did that go? We're not getting into mm-hmm. those conversations, right? So we're, uh, we're so, not. Yeah. I mean, obviously you've seen a need to speak up, to change people's ineffective habits. I mean, this is what you're doing now as a keynote speaker, is that you're going around talking about this. What are some of the bad practices that you're seeing out there that need to be addressed? Well, bad practices that I've done myself. That's that's really where a lot of this started from was my own frustration. I had really a meltdown uh, one day. And I think so many of us that have been managers, general managers, business owners, we've gotten to the point where we're just so frustrated with how things are going. You know, we're ready to fire everybody or we're ready to quit. One of the two. And so what I realized I was doing was was I was really telling people what to do, not showing them what to do, but also wasn't building that relationship. They were as frustrated as I was. And it really began with me. It was my fault. 
I wasn't providing the support. I wasn't providing the information and I wasn't giving my team what they needed to be a success. And since they weren't being a success, I wasn't either. So one of the big things that I see is in those interactions that I was having, I was more or less giving, here are things to do. And the next time we got to, got back together, here are the things you did not do that you should have gotten done. You need to go do them. And here's three more things that I need to add to your list. Not really getting into why things didn't happen. What were the expectations? People were unsure of what the priority was. You know, you give somebody five things to do and there's only one that is really the priority. And I wasn't telling them the one thing. So there was so much that we do that we don't have the correct communication. We think we're communicating and we're not really communicating. And now even more so, we're not getting the feedback to even see that somebody is sitting at their desk and overwhelmed or they're constantly, constantly, constantly working and answering the phone or being in a room. We don't see that anymore. We just, we either walk right past it because our buildings are empty or they're not even in the building. They're at home somewhere and we never see that, that level of frustration. It's interesting. As you were saying all that, I was imagining these dynamics where we, it's absolutely true. We have expectations. Do you think that the role of being a leader has changed? I think it has, you know, in the same survey with Boston Consulting Group, it was interesting to see back in 2014, the things that more or less what was employee satisfaction, what, what was the leading top five things? It really had to do with, can I develop my skills here? What is career development, you know, that is here? What, what is offered? You know, we got into this time period of benefits. Everybody's looking for benefits. But in this last study, the most important things had to do with relationships with your colleagues, relationship with your superiors. That was the two big things. And what do we see most of right now? We're, we have fewer and fewer relationships. We're hiring people that we may meet them, and then we're only talking to them through a screen or on a phone. And, and what's interesting was after we get through these relationship things, what now has come back in is pay. And what was interesting to me in looking back at the old studies was 2014 and 2018, pay wasn't a consideration. What, what was my income? The fifth thing really was, is this company stable? But one of the things that, that leads to, do you think this company is stable? Is again, those relationships, knowing what is going on in the company and with everybody else that's in the company is those are the top five things. And it, it's so interesting that we have changed to say what we're most interested in is in those relationships. And then you, you go on down in this study and we're all hearing everything about, you know, this diversity inclusion, equity, all this sort of thing. And, and you read in there as well, and people are wanting to be heard. They're wanting to be understood. And again, we're getting right back to relationship. Do I feel like I have a relationship with this company, with the people that are in it, with my other team members, with, with my bosses, superiors, the leadership? Am I getting from them what I need? And if not, they're ready to make that change. And just like you were talking about earlier, people are quietly just no longer engaging. And I think part of that really is, is because we're not engaging with them in the way that we need to. If we cannot increase our impact and influence on our teams, on, the, on our colleagues, you know, even with our family and, and communities, we're going to see those relationships begin to fall apart and people are just going to move away from us and move away from our businesses. It really does feel like, you know, when you look at the kind of the evolution of employee, employers, or the evolution of work that we have now gone from, you know, it was very much the industrial age mentality of you go to work, you put grommets on on a piece of fabric and you move it along so other people can do the work and you were there to, because they, mm -hmm. people wanted your hands, they, they wanted your hands. And then it was, we got to a knowledge worker age where it was not only our hands, but now our minds. And so we've now gone from transactional to relational workplaces, to your point. Mm -hmm. But I see that, you know, as we're coming now, I, you know, I've said, in the past that I really feel that COVID really escalated a lot of the conditions that were about to happen. Things, statistics that said, you know, where our workplace would be in 2030 actually has happened post-pandemic or almost post-pandemic. Mm -hmm. As leaders teeter into this new era, are there any myths, myths that you think need to be busted for the leadership out there that might not be aware of what they're currently facing? One of the myths is really is that time with someone is equal to building that relationship with someone. We talk about having these meetings, we have group meetings, but they're about what are we supposed to do? 
They're about our company's goals. They're about performance, whether it's good performance or, or bad performance. We're not really getting to those things that make relationships. To, to your point earlier about, you know, my son's football game or something going on with my family. We don't even know, you know, why those things are, are going on in someone's life. And because we don't recognize that through that short communication, we just think, you know, hey, I, I've heard it so many times. Let's communicate something. You know, we're going to do it 10 times, 10 ways. But until we have relationship built into that, it's not going to work. It's it's really just not going to be heard. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting that, uh, you know, the tipping point, again, is this idea that, you know, we became more human or we understood that our employees were more human because all of a sudden we saw their backdrops. We saw that they had a dog walking past or a child come up onto people's laps. And all of a sudden, you know, during COVID, we were thinking, oh, my goodness, my employees are human beings. And it's like, oh, what's your daughter's name or what's your dog's name? And we started those, we started that impact of being able to talk relationally because of mm -hmm. personal interest, because we had this understanding. But then it seems like that's now been pushed to the wayside. So it's it's really interesting that now as we're getting back to this idea where some people want to be back in the office, some people want to be fully remote, some people want some sort of a hybrid model, that we have all these different leadership challenges. Mm -hmm. I'd really like to talk a little bit about how we can impact our teams in a more meaningful way. And I'd like to do that right after this. When the spotlight shines on your business, are customers applauding or yawning? In other words, how is your business performing? Make your business a star with a new book, Lights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater by Mark Hain. Mark uses his business and acting experience to help you see your business like a live show so you can create a performance your customers will never forget. Buy Lights, Camera, Action today at your favorite online retailer or directly at markhain.com. Welcome back. I'm speaking with leadership expert Chris Moore, and we have about eight or nine people who are watching this live. So if anybody does have a question for Chris, please feel free to put it in the chat window, and we'll make sure that uh, Chris answers your questions as well. Chris, can we talk a little bit about how we need to lead differently today? We talked about going from transactional to relationship. What are some key points that you think we need to be able to check off in order to figure out, are we being effective? So. Really, it is about intention. For me, when I had my meltdown, I thought I was doing the right things, and I really dove more into what I should be doing as a leader. I, I was so frustrated. I just thought, you know, there's there's got to be some secret, some checklist, something, you know, so I bought the books, I attended conferences, watched DVDs, you know, all those sorts of things that I did, and, and I really wasn't finding, you know, what was going on? I, I was getting more and more depressed, really. The frustration and anger, really, that I had to start with just kind of turned into depression for me. It's like, you know, why have I ended up up this way? You know, I'd gone back to school. I got my MBA. I've got all the letters. I've read all the right books. I think I'm doing all the right things and, and, and things are falling apart. And this memory came back to me. And it was actually from high school. Uh, it's funny you mentioned football earlier, but it was my second day of playing full contact football. Never played football before until I was a sophomore in high school. I grew up in an area where basketball was king. My dad was a great basketball player. He played uh, semi-pro for a bunch of different states in a bunch of different states. Basketball is what I grew up with. So here I am with football. I don't understand the rules. I don't understand anything. And on our team is a guy who literally was Mr. Football for the state of Tennessee where I grew up. Three years, he was Mr. Football. If you think about an NFL running back, uh, Eddie George, Barry Smith, that's the way he was built. So comes time, and I think I'm going to tackle him, and that's not what happened. My head spun to the right, and that was the last thing I remember. And I felt myself being rolled over, and, and make a, a long story short, I see my football coach's face just kind of comes in. He was he was an older man right before retirement, and I see these two fingers that he holds up. And I think he's going to ask me, you know, how many fingers am I holding up? And that's not what it is. He grabbed me by the front of my jersey and pulled me up, and he said, you've got two questions to answer. Number one, are you going to get up? And number two, what are you going to do different so that you don't end up back down here again? And then he let me go and I fell back to the ground and he turned around and went back to practice. That was it. And I thought about how many times I had really taken that advice. You know, was I going to get up and made my my mindset as I was looking at it kind of turn. 
in that I had always been looking for what I was going to do, what I was going to do. And it wasn't about what I was going to do. It was about who I was going to be. And I wanted to be him. How did he step into that situation? Say a few words and step away. And 30 years later, I still remember it. And I had remembered that lesson, I think, multiple times throughout my life that when I got knocked down, it wasn't about, you know, that self-pity, you know, feeling bad about where I was at. It was about how could I come back and do something different? Was there something that I needed to do looking inward? And I was doing that, but then it had so much changed. How do I become that person? And I think for a lot of us as leaders, we're looking for a how-to. If there's one thing from the years of consulting I've done is people are really looking for tactics. Give me that checklist. Tell me what software I need to buy. You know, do I need to do this? Do I need to buy that? And it really is about how do I change myself so I can become that, that person. And as I've spent really the last 10 or 12 years studying different CEOs and business leaders, what I found is that their number one job is the development of people, of the people that are closest to them as well. You know, Elon Musk, is in the tech space, one of those leaders that people are, are really aspiring to be. And yet, if you're in his organization and you're working on the line on his battery factory, he really can't have a personal impact on that person. You know, Steve Jobs, the same way at Apple, you know, he can't impact the person who is putting together a phone or selling a phone that's there. Yes, he has to do with the culture. Yes, he's developed that overall process that he's helped oversee the development of. But the people that he can impact are those that are closest to him. And so that's what I really started trying to become intentional about. How was I going to impact those people? And so there's two sides of that. There's one, you know, recognizing that there are people I, I need to really have an impact on. My son is one of those, you know, and so I plan things that are, you know, we're going to go out, we're going to do something. I'm going to let him have uh, some experience. You know, in a certain area, we may drive through a part of town and get out and see a different way that maybe somebody lives. We may go and experience a different culture together. And then we had that opportunity to talk about it. Okay, I can have that impact on his life, but also know that there's unknowns that are going to happen. Something that, that is probably going to happen to my son. Can I think about when this comes up, how am I going to handle that? You know, we talk about being blindsided. I don't want to be blindsided when it comes to how I need to help someone in that situation. So, you know, because of that, I've studied what has happened. I've put into practice what I think uh, works and, and really have taken what I learned from my football coach and turned that experience for me into being able to give that same experience to other people and hopefully other people can learn from it. I can imagine that some people might be watching this thinking, but Chris, you know, that kind of approach with your staff about the two questions seems to be lacking empathy. And, you know, I've also heard from people that, especially older leaders, about this idea that you expect me to coddle my staff, right? There seems to be two distinct kind of philosophies around this idea of being a leader, being a coach, being a mentor, all within the same package, and we do, you know, when uh, look now a lot, we, we have so much data that's available. I mean, you can buy a simple piece of software for $10 a month, and it will give you all sorts of data about what is going on with that. If it's, if it's websites and visitors, if it's conversion rates, if it's who's buying what when they come into your store, who's searching for what. We have all this information, and we turn it into these performance uh, metrics then we start driving the metrics. Well, there's two different ways to drive the metrics. You can do it with, here's what the bar is, and you're right here, and you need to figure out a way how to get here. Or we can turn that around and take what is usually seen as a negative experience from our team, and we can turn that into a positive mentoring type of environment. A few years ago, I was out with a uh, with a friend who, who owned several restaurants on the about eight or nine different locations of a franchise restaurant. Uh, we had met, he'd asked me to spend the day with him and ride around as he visited some of the different areas. And he goes to one of the restaurants and it's a mess. You know, there's trash outside on the floor, on the ground, in the parking lot. Their dumpster area is actually open versus being closed. Things just really haven't been clean. Stuff hasn't been taken care of. Windows are dirty, you know, all those things. And he goes in and he just, you know, explodes. 
throws a fit. He's pulling the manager out. You know, he's calling the assistant managers that aren't even on, on staff at, or aren't on location at the time. And, you know, he is just driving. You've got to fix this. You've got to, can you not see whatever? And so I see the, the look, you know, on his employees' faces who are, yes, they are going to go do this. This is going to work, but they're not really learning and they're not growing. And some of them are picking up bad habits that I see then that they learn, okay, this is what it means to be successful. This is what it means to be a leader. I'm going to turn around and use this same drill sergeant mentality with these 16 and 17-year-old kids that are running the frontline registers. So when we go to the next location, we see the same thing. And uh, so I said, where you go anything? We go in, just introduce, introduce me. And let, so I took the manager outside. I was like, tell me what you see. You know, at first he's like, well, I see name of the restaurant, you know, and I, he was reading the advertising signs and all that. I'm like, no, look through your customer's eyes. Your customer comes in and looks at your restaurant. What does your customer see? You know, and pointing out a few things. And so you turn something that would have been this negative sort of experience that we had at the last location into what I think is more of a positive mentoring type of aspect. And so it was a short, it was a short conversation, five, five minutes, you know, we're done. It's over. He doesn't leave upset. I'm not, you know, angry. My friend who actually owned the restaurant is kind of happy with how this interaction, you know, went. But again, he had never been mentored by somebody who had seen a different approach to leadership or management. And so for me, when I see the leaders that lead in that way, where they take that more mentoring approach, you see that next level of leadership takes the mentoring down. And then I told him as a follow-up, you know, he needs, this manager needs to do the same thing with his assistant managers and then go into each different area inside of, of that restaurant and ask them, what do they see, you know, this restaurant? How can we do things better? What does the customer who's on the other side of the drive-through looking through the window? What is their experience as they come through? And it changes the mindset. And I'm sure we could all name some different restaurants that we've been to that have two different mindsets as you go through and you see the level of success of those restaurants and you see the difference in mindset of the staff that is there. And of the two locations that we went to with my friend, I know which one I would probably be happy working in or my son working in and trying to learn versus the other one, which I would say, you know, you probably don't need to work here. This is not going to help you, you know, as you grow throughout your life. And so we can do certain things and, and how we do it. But then, of course, you know, deciding what approach we're going to take in this is just so important. It really is. You know, to your point, I mean, I grew up in hospitality. And so I've been privy to a lot of these conversations. In fact, my very first job at the, you know, big arches, the golden arches, was that kind of leadership style. It was that constant knock them down, knock them down, knock them down, because that's the way that you're going to instill this fear of leadership in people. This is way, you know, if I do it publicly, then everybody will know that it's unacceptable. And I, you know, everybody then walks on eggshells. And I, I remember mm -hmm. growing up and I think, and I remember thinking to myself, if I ever become a manager, I know who I will not become, <laughs> thanks to this one particular individual. This is absolutely fascinating. It's almost like we need a little bit of psychology mixed in with our leadership ability. I imagine that there's some people watching us who's saying, you know, this Chris Moore guy, I... I really should talk to him about a situation I have. How can people get in touch with you if they want to check in with you? So the best way to find me is is uh, on my website, chrismorelive.com. I'm pretty much everywhere on social, also at Chris Moore Live. So feel free to shoot me an email, do that through my website or, or DM me on any of the social platforms. I'd be happy to talk with anyone. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. And I do encourage people to do that. You know, a phone conversation or a quick Zoom call is not going to cost you anything. But it's amazing what you can find out when you tap into the brilliance of people like Chris. What do you think sets these people aside? Like, I, we've talked a, a lot about the different issues that we've had with the different leadership. You know, you've mentioned this idea. We talked a little bit about the empathy piece, this little idea about becoming more of a coach rather than a push. We've also talked a lot of what, a lot of innuendos that you've brought forward are really about values, what do you think at the end of the day will set this new era leader apart from everybody else? I think it really is a viewpoint. So someone that takes this approach to leading and, and managing and trying to define what that impact will be, they are seen differently. 
So you mentioned your experience, you know, in, in the restaurant environment, you know, the being knocked down. I don't know about you, but I, I don't respect leaders who knock me down. I might respect them for what they've accomplished or what they have, what they have reached. But if they have gotten there in that manner, I'm probably not going to follow, you know, what they've done for me. And so, you know, in doing this, I really, you know, I, I developed this, this five-step, you know, type of process to go through, which, which we've, we've kind of hinted around to what those steps and things are. But the first is, is who can you impact and who do you really need to impact? Because there are people, you know, I'm, my son, I'm, I have an only child. He's definitely somebody I know I need to impact. But I also have some people in in my businesses in the past, you know, people that I work with, colleagues that I definitely know I need to impact because of what is going on in their lives and what I've experienced before. So I can share that experience with them. The next thing really as a leader is really to learn to recognize when those events happen. You know, how many kids playing football get knocked down at practice? A lot. And I didn't see this interaction happen all the time. And so he stepped in and he recognized what the, that I just had this experience and I've had to do this with other people as well, stepped in, said a few words. So he reacted. He didn't walk past the action. He made a conscious decision that I am going to do something in this situation. And he did it proactively. You know, I've seen people react again. We've talked about whether it's uh, from a negative standpoint or whether it's from a mentoring type concept. We need to react really more as how would we want to mentor somebody in this situation? And then he stepped out of it. In the same way with with this uh, manager at the restaurant, we had a short conversation. I stepped back. We actually left him standing outside. He had time to internalize. Hey, here's this process. Here's something they've shared. For something to be really impactful, we can't stay in that moment with them. We need to step away from that moment and let it be be internalized. And so there's this moment of reflection at that standpoint. And then the last step really is, while they're reflecting on what just happened, we're reflecting on how can we reinforce this? Uh, So how can we go back to that person later and even say something like, hey, you know, you did a good job. You know, we had that conversation. I've actually heard you have gone and, and spoken to your assistant managers, which we didn't ask him to do, but he had that same conversation with each one of them. You know, so that follow up of, you know, hey, we really appreciate what you're doing. If we can really learn to be proactive in that manner, which is not just proactive about here's my 10 things I'm going to do this week, but know that we're going to have to react to some certain situations and def- and decide in our own minds, I'm not going to get upset about this. I'm going to take this as an opportunity to grow that person, to grow my influence, but really to impact them in a positive way. And my goal, hopefully, is that I will have during my time, impacted someone so that 30 years later, just like Coach Redmond did with me, I'm still having that impact in their lives. And two, you know, now through this message and through the things that I've shared, Coach Redmond, who passed away several years ago, is still impacting people with with his short message to me out to others. And I think there's nothing more powerful, more of a legacy to leave than it is that level of impact. We so get so overwhelmed by the crisis of the moment as leaders that we often forget that we do have impact on people. And, and, you know, one of the things earlier in my leadership career, because I had all these negative experiences, I remember saying to a junior supervisor that the day-to-day doesn't really matter. Yes, we have to get through and obviously, you know, no margin, no mission. But mm-hmm. at the end of it, though, I said that we every day we have the ability to impact our team members on an individual level. And to me, that is the true definition of success of any leader. To your point, how does one shake themselves out of this, you know, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this, to be able to stop, slow down, and remember that it's really about the people that we are delegating to that matter the most? So for me, it really is, I make a list. Beginning of every week, I look at my calendar. I see who do I have the opportunity this week? Is there somebody there that I already know of a situation that is going on? Again, I've I've built that relationship so that I know what is happening with them. But I'm also attentive to realize that, hey, when I go into this meeting, it's, it's more than just about what are the numbers on the page or what do we need to accomplish? You know, it, it is about 
the faces around the room? Can I see who is really engaged and who is not? And why is that? And versus taking the, the opinion of like, it's everybody else's problem. It's not. If I'm the leader and this is my team or these are my colleagues or this is my family or my friends or a community group that I'm involved with, it is up to me to try and, and discover a way that if there's a way I can help, that I become that help. We, yeah. we can't walk past it anymore. And, in, and as we talked about at the beginning, in this remote world, those opportunities are fewer and fewer. What we're seeing in the surveys and the metrics are that a lot of leaders now are only meeting with their immediate subordinates, so the people that report to them, once every two weeks. And they're doing it usually for a defined one-on-one. This is, here's the five things we're going to talk about. We're going to review these metrics. Great. We're done. See you in two weeks. And we're becoming less personal. We're becoming less interpersonal. Yeah, the, the big takeaway for me that I'm really getting from that is that as leaders now in this almost post-COVID era is that we have to be more intentional. We have to be dealing with people with an intentionality. I like your idea of being able to sit down. Like I've, I've for, I mean, for the last five to 10 years, I've been saying that, you know, we should get away from this idea of annual evaluations. You know, we, we grew up as baby boomers. We grew up, I grew up with, the annual evaluations being the be-all, end-all, it defined our raises, it defined, you know, who we were as people and so on. And only to learn mm-hmm. that, you know, you have a manager, I never give fives for anything. And it's like, then what's the purpose of the evaluation? But, right. you know, that now that, you know, my big thing is, you know, I think personally, I think managers have too many to-dos on their lists and that they're not in people-focused enough. And I, I talk specifically to you baby boomers out there who are performance-based that we're so gung-ho on getting all this work done that we ourselves are taking up a role that should be delegated and we should be taking on more of this coaching and mentoring role and get away from this, oh, I'll meet you next year. Here's your self-evaluation. Please make sure you turn it in on time and then we'll sit down and discuss it all. And it's like, what? There's gotta be more to dealing with people than that. You mentioned an important point and that is one of the to-dos that we have to have on our list and we need to put on our manager's list is that development of the people that they really control a lot of their lives, their, their happiness at work. You know, their, you know, work-life balance is another one of those big topics that everyone talks about. And we need to make sure that, that they know those things. So, you know, in my one-on-ones with people that, that I've managed in the past, one of my questions is to ask, hey, what's going on with the four or five people, you know, that they manage and see if everything that they say is just about the metrics that's on the page. Because if it's not, I know they're not really developing those people. Those that are really focused on managing those people or or developing those people will actually tell me something about them. You know, hey, he's struggling with time management. Not that he's not meeting goals or he's not meeting timeframes or missing deadlines. You know, they'll start telling me about the attributes of a person or what's going on in their lives. We're giving him some slack right now. You know, one person in my organization whose wife unexpectedly uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And so, you know, he said, hey, you know, I know his metrics are down. We're just letting him slide right now. We're actually giving him a lot of time off that letting him be away from work so that he can spend time with his wife. We're not sure what's going to happen. Now, to me, that fit our culture. That was exactly what I wanted to know. You know, the next question is, okay, how are we going to pick up, you know, the slack that we're that he's leaving because he's not here? But it's great that he's not here. He's where he needs to be. You know, we take that approach. I think we build strong organizations. We build strong culture. And we build, uh, you know, very successful group of teammates that really love to work with each other. Yeah, I agree 100%. And as long as the defining part in that is that that strategy of giving him the time off and whatnot happened with him. Mm -hmm. Times, too many times I've seen leaders go, well, this thing happened. So I'm just going to give him a bunch of time off. And then they go up and say, hey, John, you know, we're going to give you time off so you can deal with this. And without even sitting down and actually doing a strategic plan for that person, because that might be something they might not want. <laughs> and so we have to mm-hmm. understand. And again, it goes to your point earlier that yeah. we're no longer in transactions, we're in relationships. Exactly. Yeah, it's amazing how this is all switched over and how quickly this change has happened over the last couple of years. I would like to get into some cautionaries. I'm sure people are going about this going, yeah, I, I should do this, I should do this, I should do this. But I'd like to get some cautionaries about leading in this new era to be more impactful. And we'll get to that right after this. Attention, meeting and event planners. 
Is your company or association planning a live or virtual conference, seminar, staff retreat? Are you looking for a fresh, energetic perspective on what it takes to put on a jaw-dropping experience for your customers or staff? Book customer experience expert Mark Hain for your next group event. Past participants have said, Mark kept us in stitches while teaching us how important and powerful actually designing our customer experience can be. Read more testimonials and find out how Mark can serve you and your group at markhain.com. That's M-A-R-C-H-A-I-N-E.com. Welcome back. As you can tell, Chris and I are passionate about helping entrepreneurs and business managers just like you. You know, one of the big things that we're talking about today is this idea that we have to switch how we manage. And, you know, this idea of becoming a a coach or a mentor might be a little bit of a challenge. It's like, you know, you might want to go ahead and schedule the one-on-one with your employees, but it's like, gosh, darn it, what am I going to talk to them about? Well, if you need (laughs) some help, please feel free to reach out to Chris or myself to help you along the way. Because again, these are learned skills. You know, you can read lots of books and you can kind of do it the way that Chris talked about how he was developing himself. But at some point, you might need a little bit of help. And if that's the case, feel free to reach out. And if you belong to an industry association or an organization that's planning maybe a conference or a leadership retreat, and you feel we could be of service, feel free to drop us a line and do a connection request. Our All our details are in the show notes. And we are both here to serve. So feel free to reach out. Chris, this is fascinating. As you could tell, I love this conversation about this new way of kind of looking at the people side of our leadership abilities. When it comes to people who are looking at this going, yeah, I know I have to change. And you've given, we've talked a little bit. First of all, could we summarize the five steps just in case people missed it as we went through it? Because we did very conversationally. Could we just list the five steps to becoming more impactful? So the first thing is really defining who it is that you can impact. There are only certain individuals that you're really going to be able to impact. I cannot impact the entire world. I'm not going to impact my city. It's certainly not this not this week. But there are three to five people in, in the next four or five days that I'm going to have an opportunity to provide some type of impact for them. So that's really the first thing is to decide who you can impact. The second is really to keep your eyes open. Recognize when that event happens. And maybe it's not a surprise event. Sometimes we create those events, just like I mentioned with my son, where we may go experience another culture and so that we can generate a conversation about how do we live, how do we work you know, with, with other cultures. So there's that recognize the event, but not just recognize it, but then the third step is to react proactively. So we always react. We may ignore it. We may walk past it. We may wait three or four weeks and follow up with somebody and say, hey, I saw that took place. You know, no, we we need to react and, and be proactive in our reaction. The next thing, you know, really is to to then step out of that is to give time for reflection, reflection for that individual and reflection for you as well. Did I handle that well? Did I handle my opportunity that I just had? Was there a way I could have done it better? And then also for you as the person who's trying to implement this process to say, how do I reinforce this and and when? And that's really that fifth step is that I I need to go back and reinforce it. I give an example of if, if I see someone that is on the side of the street right now around the U.S., there's a huge homelessness problem for all sorts of reasons. And we won't get into that. But if there's somebody that's on the side of the road, I can stop and I can give them some money. I can take them and buy them a meal. But if I never go back and try and truly help this person, they're still in that situation. They've got a little bit of hope. They've got a little bit of relief, but they're still going to be struggling with the same thing. And we do that so much in so many different situations. We forget as leaders that it's not just that one one point in time of mentoring it's the process of, of going back and, and checking in on that person again. That's really the five steps. And if, if we are intentional about this and think about how we're going to respond in certain situations or, or situations that we need to make sure take place with individuals, especially if we're in that leadership position, I think for me, I find joy in seeing that, that change in individuals when it's a positive, great change. That's what really you know gets my endorphins going and, and why I do what I do. Yeah, and that's the huge definition right there of being a servant leader 
is that you're doing it for the purpose of other people, not necessarily for what's going on in your world. As people want to get into this cautionaries, what should they be focused on? I know that off the get-go, I know that some leaders will turn around and go, well, all that's nice, but you know what? I don't know anything about this. I don't want to screw things up. So, you know, there's this whole big fear of failure of dealing with people. And I always tell people, hey, it's okay to mess up and then apologize as long as your intention is mm-hmm. positive, right? What other things would you say right. would be cautionaries is people want to change kind of the focus of their leadership direction or their impact that they're having as leaders? So really, it is about mentoring. And if you know anything about mentoring, if you read any of the, the things about it or you've had one, it's a two-way process. Mm-hmm. So just like what you mentioned, you may attempt to do something and it's not going to work. That's okay. The, the importance for you is that you tried to attempt it. But part of being the mentor versus the mentee is that as a mentor, you're trying to do things in a positive way. So we are tempted to react but we react out of anger, out of frustration, out of that, I just have a short time, I need to get this done. We need to change our mindset and make sure that our reaction is positive. Can we accomplish what we're trying to do by taking a positive look at it, by taking positive actions versus taking a negative action? If we do that, we'll help develop uh, that mentor-mentee type of relationship. Uh, The next thing really is not to overdo it. We can get preachy. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, I've looked at this. A lot of these things happen. It's really, uh, it really is a moment. So I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a math nerd, which drives my wife and my son crazy because neither one of them uh, like math that much. But depending on which higher order level of math you look at, a moment is actually 90 seconds. And so this, uh, these events really need to happen, you know, in this, in this 30-second type thing. Usually it's about 30 seconds that something happens and people that are experienced that it realize, oh no, you know, this is it. You've got about 30 seconds to respond. And then you need 30 seconds to walk away where nothing happens so that you can integrate what just, what just that minute of time, both the event and what the response was, and then have time to reflect and to internalize what that is. If I stay there, even if I'm positive, then I can become preachy. And so somebody can take what's, what should have been a positive experience and turn it in, well, you're just trying to control my life. You know, you know, my son's about to be a teenager, so I'm struggling with the concept of trying not to control his life or come across that I am trying to control his life. But we've all, I think, experienced that where it was actually a good positive message, but because of how it was delivered and how it was over-delivered, that, that it became that way. So that, that's really, you know, two, two of the biggest things. But then there's also, we have to focus on the individual. So not just the problem, not just the the gap in performance, but on the person themselves. So again, in this situation, don't think about entire organization. We have a lot of things as a leader that we need to affect the culture of an entire organization. But when I'm dealing with a person, I need to focus on that person. You read anything about everyone who is considered a great leader you know, even political leaders that either side of of the fence here in the U.S. that you're in, most of those people throughout history that you go to, I have met a few leaders in my life. When you're with them, it seems like for those few seconds, you are the only person in the world. There's this, they are focused on you. And our teams need to feel like when we have that opportunity, that we are as focused on them and, and we are concerned about them as we can as we can be. We don't have time to do that for everybody throughout the day. But again, those opportunities that come up, we, we need to be right there with that individual. And again, with the individual, not with the problem, not with the gap, but with the person. Love it. It's almost like this idea of, you know, take the customer service skills. And I, I again, did an episode based on this philosophy. If you take the customer service skills that are ingrained in you, that you do in your business and apply them to your employees, and make sure that you're fulfilling those needs as well. Chris, this has been phenomenal conversation. I think we could go on for hours about this, really digging deeper into each one of your five steps and and really hammering those home. Unfortunately, we don't have all that time. So do you have any (laughs) last thoughts about what we've been talking about today? Yes. So I think it is something that all of us can do, whether you're an entry-level employee or whether you're the CEO of a company, there are always people around you that need you that need your experience, that need your knowledge. They may just need a hug or somebody to sit and cry with them sometime. 
And we need to be able to recognize those things and step into those events. There really is a lot that you can think about with this and really with the the intention. And so actually, I, I put together something for those that are, are watching or listening that really goes through each one of the five steps and what each one of those means and, and really a, some worksheets on exactly how to do this to help people get started. So I'd, I'd like to give that to, to anybody that's listening. They can go to chrismorelive.com forward slash MHL for Mark Hain Live. And there they'll they'll find it. Just enter your email address and I'll send you right there. And uh, you'll also get a, a kind of a video that will kind of walk you through the workbook. They'll explain some of the concepts and, and put you in the right frame of mind. So really, you can go and starting tomorrow, you can start seeing how to make that impact in people that are around you. Love it. Uh, we're going to put the link in the show notes and don't start tomorrow. Start today. Download the worksheets. Thank you so much for that generous offer, Chris. I think that's going to be so valuable. And Chris, I can't thank you enough for your expertise that you shared with us today. Could you just remind everybody one more time how they can get a hold of you? So you can find me at chrismorelive.com or pretty much on any of the social also at chrismorelive. Love it. Chris, thank you so much. This has been brilliant. I really can't thank you enough for taking time today. I greatly enjoyed it, Mark. Look forward to when we get to speak again. Why don't you let me know if this was of value to you? As always, my offer stands as well. If you would like 30 minutes of my time to brainstorm your business with you and your team, feel free to book yourself on my online calendar. The link is in the show notes. It's the one that's marked meetwith.markhain.com. It would be my absolute honor for me to be of service. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and leave a comment about this episode? I'd love to get your feedback. Was this of value to you? Plus, if you have any topic that you think you would like to see covered on this show, please do reach out. You can email me at mark at markhain.com and just say, hey, you know, love your show. Please make sure you say you love my show. Please, please love your show. Could you please get somebody to cover this particular topic? I'm having a challenge with this. So that would be super helpful. And I want to thank Anna for your comment. This is so wonderful, Anna, that you stuck with us throughout the show. And I appreciate your comments coming up. I really appreciate because ultimately this is my passion point. I love doing this for people to be able to learn something new. And I can't thank our experts enough. This is episode 115. So that means we've had 115 really great topics and really great people who came out. So my name is Mark Hain. I hope that you stay safe, stay healthy, and I hope you dare to be the exception. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership. Make sure you visit markhain.com for a full directory of available episodes. While you're at it, if you found today's content valuable, please share it and tell your friends about the show. As Mark says, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. Be sure to tune in each week for the newest episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception.